Coming up in this episode, we'll talk about a lot of nonsense, a ride that I took this week, and maybe a few tips on getting your bike ready for what I perceive as the upcoming riding season. Stick around. Welcome to Random Thoughts from the Road on the Ozark Rides Digital Network. Conversations about motorcycles, one of the best places to ride in America, the Ozark Mountains of Missouri and Arkansas, and of course, any random thoughts that pop into our head. And now, here's your host from OzarkRides.com, Craig Allen and Randy Lewis. So have you ever been injured in a motorcycle riding accident that wasn't your fault? If you have, you need to call Dr. Brad Bradshaw at 417-333-3333. Hard number to remember, I know. Insurance companies are going to act aggressively in defense of their clients. It's what they do. Dr. Brad Bradshaw's job is to fight even harder to make certain that you receive the compensation you deserve to make your life whole again. So after the show, check them out. Online at bradbradshaw.com. And be sure to save his number, 417-333-3333. Dr. Brad Bradshaw, physician, surgeon, and lawyer. Plus, he's a writer, too. I love writing in the Ozarks. I really love writing down into Arkansas. You know, Missouri and Arkansas rides, they can't be beat. No matter where you ride, do yourself a favor and go by Heartland Honda in Springdale the first Level 5 Honda powerhouse dealer in Arkansas. Heartland Honda has a huge selection of Honda motorcycles, ATVs, and side-by-sides with excellent financing options. Plus, their red-level technicians can help keep you riding. Seriously, go check them out online at heartlandhonda.com or give them a call at 479-751-7022. Heartland Honda. Work hard, play hard. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Random Thoughts from the Road. With me, as always, is uh, Randy Lewis from Bike Works in Urbana, Missouri. What up, dog? Is that what the kids are saying? Yeah, what's cracking, my dude? Yeah. How'd you have a good week? Oh, yeah, I had a good week. Listen, uh, off subject a little bit, congratulations. I saw the uh, game on Friday. Yeah, homie. Yeah, there's flat rolling conference champs um in case you don't know by the way randy is a uh, football coach at skyline in missouri and uh, apparently they've uh, succeeded in becoming district champs is it no we're conference champs right now so this next week we'll be going into districts we've locked up the number one seed in districts so we'll have a first round bye and then we'll host uh, district games at home which cool. is huge. So, what did you besides uh, winning that game? Uh, what else did you get done this week, dude? Got it. Just freaking rolling shit through the shop. Honestly, um, right now I still got a ton of motorcycles that I'm working on, but you know, we got a lot of farmers getting their stuff ready for hunting season, and then just you know, calving and stuff like that through the winter. So, getting a lot of ATVs in tip top shape for people. I'm fixing a lot of stuff for them. So, that's it, man. But you know, had a good week. I come in super early, which is absolutely nice this time of year. You know, everybody's still in bed because it's still dark out. So well, I uh, I work while they party and scheme while they dream. 
While you were working, I was busting my ass riding. Yeah, I believe you. I so, believe you. You know, you, yeah, don't heard have you, it, you don't have it as hard as I do. <laughs> yeah, I heard you took a killer ride this past week. I did. I did. Do you know there's a there's a ride at Ozark Rides uh, on the Missouri maps? You'd have to go to page four, I guess. It's called the Osage River Ridge Run. Yeah. And I have always taken it, and this is one of the things I wanted to touch on. When you look at these maps and you take the ride and you think, well, I've done that, I've done that, I've done that. What you can do is you can switch it up and you can take the ride in reverse. Because what I have discovered is any ride that you take in reverse is a new ride. Oh, yeah, dude. It's like cowgirl to reverse cowgirl. It's a whole new feeling. You get a different view every (laughs) single time. (laughs) So, and I mean, it's like, wow, I've never been on this. I've ridden that ride a lot. Yeah. But then this time I took it in the reverse for the first time. It's like I've never even, where has this been? And it is amazing. It's not any better than any Arkansas ride, but it is absolutely 100% just as good as any ride in Arkansas the canopy, the the foliage is changing. Mm, great and time great, here to ride. Right. And it's a great time, and the leaves are still on, and the roads are very canopied. Yeah. And man. it has a lot of swooping curves and long sweeps is what I like. I don't care for so much for always all the hairpin turns. Dude, yeah. I mean, everybody talks about Pig Trail or Tale of the Dragon and stuff like that. How many curves can I get in? You know, that's all fun and game. I yeah, mean, that, that's great. That. That's whatever. Good. If that's what twists your nipples or whatever. But, dude, I love right a corner at speed. You know, some of yeah. those corners are on that road. They're big, long, swooping ones. So you get the corner feel, but you, you can get power just through. the right amount of corner that you yeah. can really lean the bike and get over, but you don't have to let off the throttle. Yeah, dude, I love that. Yeah, love and then the, then the hillies. So, you can you know, you get the what we call the whoop-de-doos, that feeling in your stomach. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah. a lot of valleys and hills. Yeah. It, you would... When you start the ride from where you started geographically, you think this is going to suck because this is all flat plains. Yeah. But as soon as you start the ride and you turn that corner onto the beginning of the ride off of Highway 54, which is about 10 miles west of Jeff City, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it takes a dramatic geographical change. This is what I think is dope about Missouri. Okay. You go west of 54 Highway. You know, you get further north from where we live. You get west of 54, and it is. It's a lot of flat, open ground. Mm-hmm. Um, you go north of the river, it's farm country. Big, huge river valleys. You know, there's not much up there other than just, you know, big, flatland, farmland country. Mm-hmm. That's cool. You go east of 54 and south of the river, you're still kind of in the national park area. You get a completely different geography there or topographical i guess is what you'd say yeah you know it's it's hills it's covered in trees it's turns you know you get river bottoms still so i mean missouri is split up to be three four different types of riding so depending on where you you live man you can when you go to do one ride just getting there is going to take you through two or three different other kinds of rides yeah yeah which is pretty cool so if you haven't tried this ride and uh I would highly recommend it. Again, it's on the Missouri Ride Maps page. It's called the Osage River Ridge mm-hmm. Run. It's on page four. You can't miss it. It is spectacular. And then when you get tired of it, turn the bike around and go the other way. Yeah, yeah. You get a feel for what the road is coming one way, but then you get a look at something completely totally different. Totally different ride. Yeah, man. It is. 
stuff like that really, really intrigues me. Yeah. I absolutely love it. And I love that, you know, Missouri, Arkansas is really split up like that. We've got, you know, between the whole Missouri and Arkansas or whatever, there's probably about six, seven different types of riding just in those two states. And, you know, from sometimes I like getting out in the corn country. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of, like I said, a completely different feeling. And like you said, you know, go to a ride, you get to see, have a one type of feeling, right? Uh You know, you're looking at certain scenery, then you get to the ride and it's completely different. And then you got your ride home and you you kick back and think about where you just been and what you just done. And it's like, holy crap, man, I've seen a lot of different stuff. Yeah. Well, speaking of riding for a lot of people, it is just the opposite. But for me, Mr. Going the wrong way guy, (laughs) this is the beginning of riding season. Yeah, yeah. The off-season is just past us. I know that's <laughs> different for most everybody, but yeah. not for me. And i got to think that there's one or two other people out there that really prefer riding in the fall. Yeah. And if it's not snowy in the winter, mm-hmm. it's just peaceful. But anyways, talk about getting your bike ready it, that is different Yeah, uh, than this time of year than it would be then. Everybody kind of knows. We've talked about how to get your bike ready for the quote-unquote riding season summer right right but there's some different things you have to do for the winter that so the, are often overlooked yeah the biggest things you know everybody's like oh check my engine oil check my air filter make sure my spark plugs are good make sure my radio works my gps is good good to go my cell phone not? holders right you know <laughs> my cup say, holders are on and tight <laughs> all my tassels are leathered up and, and oiled down so they don't br- get brittle and break you know things like that but here's, here's what's a little bit different about riding in inclement weather, cold temperatures, things like that. And here's some things. And honestly, I think people miss it even in the summer riding. Your suspension, your, your front fork oil, your rear shocks, things like that. And then, you know, guys that run drive belts, your drive belt, the tension on them. And then guys that are shaft drive, you know, the boots on the shafts where the, the whole mechanism, the swing arm, whatever, if you will, moves up and down, the oil in your rear hub, things like that. Things you know. like that, like like you're talking about your boots and stuff like that, they they get a little more brittle. Yeah, exactly. And so you have to pay more attention. Right, right. And you're talking about valving these things in cold weather where when you start out, it's cold. And rubber's not warmed up and it's something that doesn't catch engine heat. It doesn't catch a lot of stuff. You know, it's just the movement itself that keeps them going. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I I hyper-focus on stuff like that, especially this time of year. Another thing we've touched on it before is like your brake fluid and things like that. The cold temperatures going from the extremes of cold to hot to cold really takes its toll on stuff. And truthfully, it takes its toll on your oils too. You know, we've talked about condensation. You go from storing your bike in the heat or heated garage if you have it or somewhere where it stays, you know, somewhat warm. And then you take it out in 30, 40, 50 degree weather. You know, that extreme temperature swing like that really breaks down oils and rubbers and things like that. Well, here's one I've got for you that uh, everybody, it's well established I'm not a mechanic. I just drive the bus. I don't fix the bus. (laughs) Um, Mind you, it's a short bus. Something I just thought about. Uh, oil changes. You you touched on that. Now, I typically change my oil in the spring, but I don't ride the bike a whole lot in the heat of the summer. Yeah. Now, do I need to readdress and rechange that coming up on the winter? Truthfully, with the way that oils are built in today's standards, like, you know, 5,000 miles really isn't much for engine oil as far as what most people get. Um, yeah, that's that's the recommended service interval. 
oils really haven't broke down that much. You know, way back when people used to run like a, a straight 80 weight in the summer and then stretched, you know, switched to like a straight 50 weight or something like that in the winter. You know, people think about oils getting so thick that you need to thin it down for the winter. Because I remember growing up, Dad used to always say, you got to change the oil in the winter because it's, you know, too right, thick. Right. You know, now we have stuff that's always a split weight. You know, Harleys are 2050 weight. Most metrics are 1040 weight. Like your bike's a 2050 weight. What that means is it's 20 weight when it's warm and 50 weight when it's cold, vice versa, whatever. So it, it really doesn't do too But Once it warms Science up. Science is amazing. Yeah. Once it warms up, it, it kind of thins it down a little bit so that all that stuff works a lot better so what i would recommend is you know i don't i run a 2050 weight all year round in in all my bikes just because oils and their standards and the way that they're processed or whatever you want to say today are so much better than what they were in the 50s 60s 70s even early 90s things like that so you know i don't necessarily necessarily recommend in today's bikes that you switch it out in the spring and then switch it out and put something different in the winter um that's kind of a lost thing so i would say no you don't have to okay just make sure it's topped off and and looking good yeah viscosity wise yeah you know i look for contamination mainly you know you check your oil look to see if that crap's black if it's still somewhat of a golden, you know, you're good. You know, there's a difference between looking at oil on a dipstick. It's going to look black, okay? There's a difference between dark brown to blackish to freaking coal black. Like, this shit hadn't been changed out in a century. Yeah. You know, that's a little bit different. You know, and just looking at it on a dipstick, it's going to look one color. I always wipe it off into my hand and then see what the color is against a different background. You know, depending on what type of dipstick, a lot of them have a black dipstick or a tan dipstick. You know, Harleys have a lot of chrome ones on their soft tails and stuff. So I wipe it off in my hand and get a look at it, see what it is against a different background. Oil is somewhat transparent. And then I'll rub it around in my hand, see how it feels. Does it feel like there's been gasoline in it? Does it feel thin? Does it feel thick? And then I'll usually sample out of an oil filter and see what's going on, see how much you know, particulate if you have metal shavings, plastic shavings, things like that in your engine oil to, that might entice you to think that there might be a bigger problem or a different problem or stuff like that. One thing you mentioned earlier, fork oil. Yeah. A lot of people overlook that and just that they'll go years and years without even yes. thinking about it or addressing it. You know, what I always, uh, about 20,000 miles on fork oil is really what I like to switch it out with. And I don't mean just top it off. I mean flush it out, switch it out. You know, that oil is somewhat like transmission fluid. Um, In fact, I've known a lot of guys that run transmission fluid in their fork oil. So, you know, it will break down and and truthfully, it will dissipate. You know, you got to think a small amount will come off on your forks as that thing travels up and down and it all doesn't get caught by the seals. So a lot of guys are like, man, you know, I got 50, 60,000 miles on my bike. It doesn't feel the same as what it was. And that's one of the first places I always check. So with fork oil, what you'll have is as it breaks down and as it goes low or dissipates or whatever you want to call it, you have bushings on your lower legs that ride inside of your lower sliders. You know, it's a two piece deal. It's not just, you know, one piece that you have on your front fork. That's where you get your suspension at. So as you run that fork oil low or thin or a lot of contamination in it, you run the risk of damaging those bushings, which, you know, seven, eight times out of 10, when I do a fork, like the seals, when they start leaking, 
I usually replace all the bushings at that point too. You know, it's got to be tore apart. Might as well spend an extra fifteen bucks or twenty bucks or whatever it is. Get the bushings in it and Just put all do that it all and be done yeah, with it. Yeah, yeah. It's all got to be tore apart anyway. So why go back with used or you know parts that are broke down? So with that, there's basically their copper bushings or bushings that are copper sleeved to help make that you know stay true. You know, a lot of guys talk about, well, I've got a wobble in my front end. You know, it's got to be a wheel bearing or it's got to be this. And truthfully, like I'll find when wheel bearings are good, the fork oil is low. And then with low fork oil, you have bushings that are bad. And with those bushings that are bad, there's a little bit of play from your lower fork sliders to your top legs is what it is. And your legs actually start to to bounce and give a little bit laterally, not up and down is what I'm talking about. Laterally is like front to back. So when those aren't tight, your suspension can't work right. And your suspension isn't going to feel right. And for taking some of these twisties and things like that, you need good suspension on it. You know, you need to be able to predict what the bike is going to do. So as your suspension breaks down, the bike gets loose and it's a little bit more tricky. And um, the bad thing is, is it breaks down over time. So you don't notice it all at once. You know, most people look for problems and they think, well, something's just changed. They don't realize that something breaks down over time and they can't remember over 30, 40, 50,000 miles how it felt when it was brand new to how it is now. And a lot of guys are like, oh, it's just getting old. It's just going to be how it is. Well, somewhat, but honestly, with suspension, you just have to refurbish or, you know, service your suspension a little bit to help make it feel a lot better. I mean, you're talking about parts that are serviceable. It get, an old bike can feel like brand new again by making sure everything is up to up to code, up to par, whatever you will. So what else do we need to think about for riding in the winter, bike-wise, maintenance? Um, Your battery? Yeah, you know, battery, cold cranking amps, that's, a, that's one of those things. You can do a load test on your battery, make sure that you go out to start your bike, it's going to start. You know, most good batteries will last you five or six years. If you got a battery that's kind of on that mark right there, definitely start looking at it you know i always like to yeah read. and folks don't go cheap on batteries oh hell no don't buy these uh batteries that you've got to add water to and yeah lead acid filled those are in my opinion garbage yeah you're just wasting your money and your time don't just if there if you have to choose a couple of things not to go cheap on batteries and tires yeah <laughs> that is very true no one wants to be stuck with a dead battery or bike that won't start and also no one wants to be stuck on shitty tires that are going to blow out or not hold the road and a blown out tire can ruin your whole life yeah i've heard that <laughs> i can <laughs> well like we talked about batteries lead acid filled there's a vent tube on it so you have acid-filled batteries over lead plates which that's not that uncommon okay but when they're open and vented like that is you run a bike a long time that fluid gets hot it's just like the reservoir in your car on your on your coolant as it gets hot it overflows into that that chamber and then it'll suck back into your radiator as needed on a battery it's not that way you overheat a battery or get a battery hot as soon as that acid starts to boil and stuff it pumps it out that vent tube and it's out on the ground. You don't know the difference. A lot of guys don't it's think they check that. It's also all over your bike, depending on how you have your tube laid out. Right, right. So I opt for the latter. I go to what's called an AGM battery, absorbed glass mat. They're sealed. Every time you buy them, they're 100% charged right out of the box. You throw it in, stick it on there. Run it. Run it, yeah. With a lead acid battery, you've got to fill it. 
Then you got to wait 30 minutes. Then you got to top it off. Then you got to wait 30 minutes. Then sometimes you have to do a supplemental charge, a low amp hour for X amount of hours. And then your battery's finally ready to go in. All to save just a couple of bucks. Right. And it's not, I mean, the price difference usually isn't a ton. You know, you're talking about like, I'll just Harley, for instance, Harley batteries, 140, 150 bucks. Yeah, you can get a cheaper brand or whatever, but I'm not usually like that. Yeah, go that. to Walmart and buy a brand. It's right. not a slam on Walmart. They just sell those cheap <laughs> lead acid batteries for 40 bucks. Don't do that. Right, man. I'm, I'm just telling you, it's not worth the money of wasting lead acid filled batteries from what I'm seeing in my shop two years, three years, sometimes max at most. So say it is... 80 bucks for one of those batteries for your bike. And a good battery is 120 bucks. Well, a good battery might last you five or six years. If that one, you do get to stretch it out and it lasts you two to three years, you buy another battery. In the same time frame, you've spent more money on a cheap battery than buying one good one, no hassle, no problems, and you switch it out every five or six years. It's just money ahead, in my opinion, to just buy yeah. the good one and go. And everybody on. knows I'm notorious. I rarely ride with anybody. I'm a loner. Yeah. But the, I have, on a number of occasions in my lifetime, ridden with people who've had the lead-acid batteries on long rural rides, mm -hmm. and their battery dies in the middle of nowhere. Right. Well, I don't understand. It was running great. My bike got me here, yeah. and now it's dead. Yeah. And you don't want to be in that situation. Well, what happens is, is you pump all that acid out of your battery because it's getting hot on those long rides, and it mm -hmm. boils off, and it pumps it out. Then you go to start it. That acid is what is the connectivity between the lead plates that mm -hmm. runs your power through it and keeps it charged. Without that, you don't have a battery. And it's just that simple. So, in my opinion, it's not worth the hassle to, to save 40 or 50 bucks on a junk-ass battery. Something else a lot of guys are, are liking is the gel batteries. You know, I talk to a lot of people and they love gel batteries. They love them, they love them, they love them, you know, whatever. Great. In my personal experience, because, you know, I run a lot of parts on my personal bikes that I want to test out to see if it's worth a shit or not. So when I get a guy in here, I have experience. Is, is it good? Is it bad? What's my experience with it? I've had gel batteries before, and I absolutely hate them. You know, that's going to go contrary to what a lot of people think, but absolutely hate them. The reason why I hate them is I had it in a one of my bikes that is, well, it's my deluxe, my son's bike. You know, that bike has been perfect starting forever. Put a gel battery in it. It sits in the garage, okay? So I go out to start it up even on a, a nice summer day or whatever. My garage my garage stays a little bit cooler in the summer with good insulation, things like that. Thing wouldn't start. Would not start. Fully charged, wouldn't start. Wouldn't hit a lick. Move it out in the sun and let it sit in the sun for 20, 30 minutes. Pops right off. Works great. That to me is a hassle that I do not want to have. No. Even on a battery tender, it would not start. So my only thing that I can think about is the gel in it was just staying so cold that it wouldn't make enough electrical current through it to go ahead and start. And it's not like I bought a cheap gel battery. Do they make the lithium-ion batteries for motorcycles yet? They do. They do. And if you can afford it, they're freaking dope. The, I know they're incredibly expensive, but yes. they last forever. They last a long dang time. You know, a lot of my custom bikes that I've built, uh, the cafe racers mainly, 
I buy those anti-gravity batteries. Mm -hmm. um, they're lithium ion. They're super, super small. They're ridiculously lightweight. You can mount them in any configuration you want. You know, lead acid, you have to mount them vertical. No way around it. Gel batteries, you can mount in any, any configuration. AGM batteries, you can't. You know, they're got to be vertical also. They're designed to sit in your bike a certain way. Those anti-gravity batteries, holy shit, dude freaking great and the cranking amps on them are amazing yeah they're lighter they're stronger uh -huh. they last forever right we'll have to take a second out on your house to buy one <laughs> they are they're expensive you know, you, but in actually they're not they're actually cheaper if you spread it out over how long they last that's true and how many times you would replace a yeah. battery it's just up front. Yeah, yeah. There's going to pay a ton of money. There's a little money. sticker shock to it. And we live yeah. in an area where everybody's poor. They don't want to spend that money on a good battery like that. Yeah. But, you know, it's just... And you have to buy a different charger for it. It's not your normal charger. It's a lithium-ion battery charger. It looks just like your trickle charger or anything like that. It's just... Engineering-wise, it's just different. So it charges that battery without killing it. But yeah, dude, they're freaking dope. You talk about like a big twin touring Harley or something having, you know, 380, 400, I guess, cranking amps. These things will have five and 600 cranking amps. Like it is insane. Yes. Those big high compression motors that everybody are running. These things are great for that. They absolutely put the power out. So that's basically a, a couple of a short synopsis on things you want to think of when you're getting your bike ready for what quote-unquote i call the upcoming riding season uh, we haven't got to where we're putting the electric liners in under our jackets but we're getting close yeah and um i heard a little rumor this week you know the wife she substitutes at the school quite a lot she might as well just be a regular dang teacher but uh she was subbing for your daughter uh, oh yeah in her class yeah and apparently she walked in on you no, this is not a dirty story. <laughs> she walked in on you listening to last episode's podcast where we were talking about her and her riding the big wheel bagger yeah, and yeah, you know yeah. building a bike for for her. And um, she seems to have the opinion that there's something inherently wrong with hearing her father and somebody else, namely me, talking on a device. I don't want to yeah. say the radio, but you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. About motorcycles. Yeah. It know. was cool and disturbing all at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. She's uh, I I can see why it'd be odd, I guess, to hear somebody that you know personally. I guess it'd be like this is way out of proportion, super out of proportion. Knowing somebody, oh, I even hate to say this, but knowing them personally and then hearing them in somewhere somewhere else, you know, not that's atypical like you know in passing it messes with your shop. brain just a little bit yeah yeah i don't i don't know what it is but she was a little bit taken back by hearing it on a phone i guess is what you will knowing that well i think we need to start paying her and hiring her because that last episode i don't know if it was just by chance or not our episode listenership has been growing steadily that arrow curve has never turned down really sloping upwards i can't get it into my head that there are that many goombas out there that are wanting to listen to us <laughs> no joke the, the head of goomba central yeah but i don't know if it was us or the fact that we were talking about your daughter i don't know that almost sounds creepy but yes it does you asshole yeah you keep my daughter's name out of your mouth exactly no it's just i don't know you're i mean this whole venture has kind of been 
I was hoping that maybe five or six guys would maybe listen. That's probably what we were shooting for. <laughs> yeah. But we're averaging well over 10,000. Yeah. And I don't know it, what that number relates to in everybody else's, but. Boredom. Yeah. This they don't have a life. I don't mean that sounds like I'm slamming people. Well, like other other podcasts, we're not the only one out there. Granted, oh no, and I, don't I know have what no idea what other is. people are doing. It may be nothing compared to what they're doing, and I'm sure it is. It probably not. And this is that wasn't the reason why we decided to do this. We'll compete no, with the Joneses, wasn't. if you will. But it was mostly to vent. You know, it's neat to see that there's that many like-minded people out there that enjoy well, listening and talking about Well, I don't know if they're like-minded. This. They may be just tuning in to see what these two idiots are going to say and stick their foot in their mouth this time. Hey, how stupid are these guys? Exactly. They're just checking in to see what they can uh, share this week. You know, did yeah. you hear these morons? How stupid is this guy listening to him talk? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, maybe. And if that's the case, whatever. Keep listening. Some people watch <laughs> the race to see the wrecks. <laughs> that is very true it's that like watching midget true. wrestling you know that's what well, that's, that's what we are we're the midget wrestling of podcast yeah the obscurity huh yeah, the obscurity it's kind of like the circus back in the 20s you went because it was oh my god this is creepy or this is weird or whatever yeah. so we appreciate everybody that listens i don't know why i'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth yeah so yeah. if we can provide a little satisfaction whether it be good or just to say how outlandish and ridiculous we are you know we'll take it any way we can get it so you know i'm by no means certainly bragging on how many listeners we have because like i said for all i know that ain't anything and it in the big scheme of people around the world that could tune in that's nothing yeah we're a minnow in a pond we're nobody i'm just happy that's more than 20 yeah, that was a little... that was what I was shooting for. I had a goal. I had a bar. Twenty. <laughs> hey, man. Well, I always tell my buddies when you go to the bar, set that thing low. You know, you come out a winner if your if your bar isn't so typical. You know, high That's or right. whatever. You know, shoot for the bottom of the barrel. Exactly. And you'll find yourself happy every time. Well, anyway, we appreciate you listening. Uh, I don't know why you are, but I won't look a gift horse in the mouth. Thank you, and uh, we'll come up with something more interesting to talk about next time. In theory. Yeah, hopefully. So until then, (laughs) just keep writing.